Hello and good evening, everyone, from the highest point on FSU's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, the greatest, and the Florida State in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour. And for the first time in the history of the show, we are live on Facebook Live for the world to see, experimenting with it tonight. I know that we teased it a few weeks ago, but now we are finally bringing the idea to fruition. Everybody give a wave uh, to the computer. Hello. That uh, lovely, lovely, <laughs> wonderfully handsome producer that uh, Sebastian is <laughs> set up as uh, he's going to be doing the camera work and working on that stuff for us. And hopefully you can hear us okay. You can find us at Facebook at Tomahawk Talk, and you can also find us on Twitter with the same handle at Tomahawk Talk. Make sure you follow us so you don't miss anything, and you can also watch the first 15 minutes or so of every show on Facebook Live. Uh, and just moving on here very quickly, if you didn't think Florida State had enough hurricanes to deal with this weekend, well, there is another one coming. Right. Uh, so with that being said, uh, it's coming straight to the Banhandle, coming straight to Tallahassee. So please, uh, for those of you who are evacuating, we wish you safe travels. And if you are in the warning area and you haven't evacuated or plan to not evacuate, please be very careful. I'm from South Florida, so I know how bad these storms can get. Do maybe, not test them. Maybe you should have stayed down there. Nick. Maybe I should have stayed. I well, I'm gonna be. Ha I have to go somewhere. Yeah, it's true. gonna. It's been a lot of driving over the past couple of Ooh. days. Um, do not <laughs> for who? For, <laughs> uh, for excuse her. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, put, a, put a big three and a half hour drive in there, Nick, and I'm yes. proud of you. Even yeah. though you didn't know how to shift it into gear on a automatic at the uh, beginning. Okay, well that's <laughs> because know. we were driving Luke's ages old car. How old is that car? Uh, like probably thirteen years old. Huh. It was it was old. It was rusty. Uh, it was rusty. Yeah, sure. it's okay. Really good with year. that being said, with that being said, I want to get the show started as fast as possible. There is so much to talk about coming out of this weekend, so let's get right into introductions. Tomahawk Talk made the trip down to the game. We were there in person for the heart-wrenching loss to Miami. We are ready to talk about everything tonight: the illegal forward pass call, the downfall of the Florida State offense and the defense, how the locker room is doing, and more. And I am joined, as always, by my host, my co-host, Chris Camacho. Uh, Hello, world. Yeah. How how was the trip? Long, <laughs> honestly. Not not even just the ride down, but the the line to get in uh, to Hard Rock Stadium. That's a story we've told a few too many times this weekend. But and it's uh, you're oh, gonna hear that story. Yeah. Overall, it's been a really great experience. It was a really great experience. Um, what a game! What a game to go to to be a part of. Um, uh, Florida State. It didn't end the way Florida State fans wanted it to go, but um, I mean, still, it's. I think they came out of the gate in a way that nobody, whether you're a Florida State or Miami fan, uh, nobody expected. I had to just take a look down in that general direction because I realized you're using not the chair that's supposed that's, to be there. That, that is correct. I, this is this is this is this, this is, is a downgrade. Yeah, where where is that chair? Um, Who stole it? We should Who ask wants up some Luke, Luke Faye? Okay. <laughs> Speaking I need of, I need good seating after <laughs> being on my butt the whole time. Yeah, you know? absolutely, Luke Faye. Nursing an injury from the weekend. Why don't you tell everybody about that? You know, um, I guess you could say I, I had a uh, backup quarterback in because we had some good throws and some bad throws. And uh, one got away from Chris, tried to make a heroic catch. And uh, Miami fans don't clean up after themselves, as I learned the hard way when uh, I went and braced my hand on the ground. And uh, 
there was shattered uh, glass on that ground from a beer bottle, and I cut my hand up pretty good. But it was a it was a gnarly scar. So uh, good story. It was pretty, pretty funny. Got to admit, it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but come on, guys, you got to clean up after yourselves. Miami, uh, it seemed like they were a little understaffed in every realm uh, during that game, uh, and uh, we had a good experience at the game, getting to the game. Different story. We'll Different get story. we'll de- we'll get into that. I promise you. Uh, and to his right, <laughs> making his Tomahawk Talk debut, Dakota Greer. You're a big UFC guy, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. A uh, pleasure to be here as well for the debut of Tomahawk Talk on Facebook Live. Glad and to have you here with us, again, man. Make it make a nice wave. <laughs> I know Dakota is right back here. Um, if you could not see, uh, but we're very happy to have Dakota here. He's been in and around the show the past couple of weeks, and we uh, gave him the call, the green light to be on the show. As most of everybody in V eighty nine has uh, figured out that they are not going to stay much longer. And they are going to jump ship and head to wherever they are to escape the storm. But we are not quite done with introductions. We have a big panel tonight. Also making the trip uh, down and up was Gary Putnick, and he had a much better experience from uh, than we did. But how was your drive back? It sucked. It sucked. <laughs> it was a, I was yeah, alone the whole time, <laughs> so it was not fun to just sit there with just the road and myself. Did Did you know anyone who was driving down that you could have carpooled with? <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> but those people wanted to leave at a not the best time for myself. Yeah. So I had to make the executive decision and bite the bullet and drive alone. Chris Camacho, Luke Fay, Gary Putnick, Dakota Greer, and once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle. And normally we would start off the show with the off-the-top segment, but I would be completely remiss without telling you about our horrible experience getting to Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, and Luke and Chris can interject here whenever you feel uh, the need to, but I think I can start out with the blanket statement that this was by far one of the worst experiences that I have ever had when it comes to trying to get into any sporting event, and by far it was one of the most poorly managed events I have ever been witness to. So with that being said, we, as Gary said, we we, we took off from Tallahassee very late at night, around 10, 10 or 11 o'clock, uh, and we stopped off in Gainesville for a quick three-hour nap at uh, Luke's grandparents' residence. And then we made the rest of the drive all the way down to my house. And we eventually made it to Hard Rock Stadium eventually. at about, what would you say, 2 o'clock? Oh, to, to Hard Rock? To yes. Hard Rock. Yes. To, to Hard Rock, about 2 o'clock. A good uh, hour and a half An hour and a half beforehand. And we knew that we had a specific lot to park in. There was a specific way that we had to get into the stadium. And uh, we, quite frankly, bullied our way into the left lane, only to be stopped in that lane for about 40 minutes, <laughs> only to find out. And it wasn't until we finally got the courage, you know, to step out in, in, a, in a sea of Miami Hurricane fans to go and ask the police officer what the heck was going on. And he essentially gave Chris the answer. The, the eloquent answer. Of, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Essentially. They just told us to close the left lane. You will, you'll have to move out. So now it's Correct. about it's it's about it's about two forty. We're 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 kind of irritated. He told us to go around to a, a different street. We tried to get and we knew that we had to turn left, so we tried to get into a left lane, and we figured out that that was the incorrect left lane. So we 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 incor- well, like I guess cruelly decided to bully our way into that lane as well, <laughs> and everybody's like hey you should you should you should give this guy behind us something to uh, say thank you for letting us in i got out of the car (laughs) to grab him a a soda uh and then the line started moving rapidly 
and I almost got left behind. That was strike number two. Uh, that sounds more like a personal problem, but well, who who Luke Fay <laughs> drove off I'll, without me? I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. And in, in my defense, uh, Nick wasn't really hustling to the car, <laughs> but I'll, I'll take off from what Nick was saying. We went into another gate, and they just uh, it overall it was just a bad experience. They told us that yeah. we were in the wrong spot. We needed to get our press credentials in order to get into the parking lot. But you got to park in order to get your press credentials. It was all backwards. Yes. More of the story. We kicked Chris out of the car. Yeah. We that said, is get not out of the true. Car. You guys get out of the car. You're, that, you're you making really us mad. Yeah. Uh, I was go mad. and get him. You know what? I'm not even going to argue with this. We 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 came across a very authoritative police officer who, much to her credit, we 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 leaned our heads out of the window and said, "Hey, we're media. We need to get in." And she said, "Oh shoot!" And she basically said, "I don't know what to tell you guys. Move along." It's like that scene from Star Wars where Obi-Wan Kenobi mind tricks the stormtrooper and he just goes, move along. Nobody had any mm-hmm. idea what they were doing. That that event was very undermanned. You're looking for. Yeah, that well, event was very well, undermanned. Once we got in, though, once we got in, it looked like we were a good luck charm. Absolutely. We got there about, I think, I think University of Miami had already gotten their first drive uh, through by the time we were able to sit down uh, and get up to the press box after we jogged around the stadium we got we got a lot of exercise that day yeah uh, luke luke got a couple of cuts on his hand but apart from that uh it was it was a very at the time a very frustrating uh experience trying to get into the football stadium but looking back on it it's really quite funny of all the shenanigans and all the uh, the hoops that we had to jump through just to watch uh, a football game that they knew we were coming. You know, it's not like we were fans trying to hustle our way into getting a parking spot. We had a big piece of paper that said we are supposed to park here, and still the event management was insistent upon the fact that we needed our credentials to get into the parking lot. And the, the credentials are at will call. You want to know how you get to will call? You have to park first. So, a very frustrating tug of war. But with all that being said, let's get into the actual game here, guys. This was. If you want a definition, if you want a dictionary definition of a roller coaster game, I don't think you can find a better definition of a roller coaster game than this game. It was such a roller coaster of emotion for us sitting in the press box. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're not allowed to show any emotion. We have to be stone cold killers up there. Other than laugh, maybe. Other than laugh a couple times, whether out of pain or not. <laughs> but, Chris, I'm just. Your immediate reaction after the end of the game, what what was going through your mind? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I completely agree with the metaphor of a roller coaster. Cause, and I think when we were talking about it yesterday, you described the atmosphere in the press box for Florida State Media as tense. And I think that's because, as on a roller coaster, you're going up, and I think Florida State was just waiting to get to the top and wait for that drop. And sure enough, that drop came. And it was it was a tough one uh, to stomach, but ultimately I don't think you can I don't think Florida State fans can walk away from this and be upset with the team. I think we saw massive amounts of improvement from this team. We've seen where this team can go and how they can play when they're uh, banking on all cylinders. Uh, it just it got away from them. Some turnovers didn't go their way. Some calls didn't go Florida State's way. Um, sometimes that's just how football works, but I think we've uh, Florida State has a lot to look forward to. And with that being said, we do have to d- say goodbye to our Facebook Live audience. It is seven sixteen. We did go a little bit, a little overboard with the the intro music to cut it a little bit short. But 
Uh, thank you if you were watching on Facebook Live for joining us in that little short experience. There are some technical technical difficulties. We're, we're, we'll work all that out so um, we can get the Facebook Live off and we can go back to. All right, a little more technical difficulties here. No, we're good. Ba we're good. Back to. So I'm just gonna throw this right over to Luke. I want to know. That was Gary. I'm pretty sure, right? He is smiling. No, that was Luke Fay. Okay, oh, that was definitely me. That was that was I, definitely I was, I was a Luke thing to do. I was seeing how our Facebook Live was going. Yeah, and. Uh, it's the first. It well, to to put it into context, this is the first time that any host of Tomahawk Talk has attempted to do something that bold. Let me just pat myself on the back a little bit more. Not that the technology wasn't available twenty years ago. No, like no, <laughs> not at all, not at all. But getting back into this game, I've already discussed. We've already covered it as being a roller coaster uh, of a game. Luke, Florida State before the game started was slated to lose by two touchdowns the spread before game time was i think at 13 13 or 14 i think you said it moved to 14 yeah either way it did florida state comes into this game off off a, a, a game that they shouldn't have won at louisville and they come into a rivalry game that most people expected this football team to get absolutely destroyed i think luke you said something to the effect of you were getting reports that people didn't even want to tune in and watch this football game yeah I, I saw a couple of people on, on Twitter who just were – they were so adamant that Miami was going to come in and smoke Florida State. And I took a little bit of offense to that. I, I, we all picked everyone in the car when we did the podcast down. Everyone picked Florida State to lose the game. Um, every media member in the stadium picked Florida State to lose the game. And I would say lose big. But I looked at the last drive of Louisville. Um, when they got when when they got the uh, ball back and DeAndre Francois takes them down the field and you saw a whole team go and swarm Nooney after he scores that touchdown, it seemed like it it somehow just clicked there, and they went they they that all happened at the right time. They go back. They have Miami coming up. They were fighting in practice. I I said I saw that they were fighting. Uh, offensive linemen were fighting defensive linemen. You saw the physicality. You said you know what they're ready. It's Miami week. They're ready. And they came out, uh, Tiger said, you got to come out with your hair on fire. And Florida State came out really, really well. They scored on the first possession, which we said was extremely important just to be in the game. Score on it. Miami comes back and ties the game. And then Florida State just looked in control. At the end of the half, you look around in the press box and you're, everyone's mouth is on the floor. You're getting so many emails and texts saying, what, what is going on? And Miami... Miami looked clueless. They didn't look like they had any idea what was going on. It, everything, everything looked foreign to the team. And then the second half comes, and I want to say this. Miami didn't really – maybe Miami's defense won the game, but the stats for Miami's offense are extremely inflated if they're good at all. Uh, I believe it was Nikosi Perry was 14 of 32 for 204 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, two of those plays were inside the 20-yard line when he got the ball. Um, just don't mess it up. So if you're a Florida State fan, you just got to be a little bit disappointed with how it finished and not embarrassed, which I am so happy to not come out of there embarrassed. We all, I mean, four of us in this room drove down to see the game that we saw, and I don't think a single Florida State media member was was mad about the outcome. They were all impressed with how the team showed up. No, absolutely. The the talk around the press box after the game, well, we were all writing our post game reports and 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 doing all the the media type stuff that we are uh, known to do. 
the, 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 the saying going around, and I think Arya Masudi was the one who said it to us first, was the fact that he, he said, I'd rather have lost this way than come in and get blown out by 21 points over the spread. Dakota, would you echo that sentiment? I would echo that sentiment 100%. Yes, it hurts the way we lost, giving up those points in the second half. We couldn't stop the bleeding. FSU couldn't stop the bleeding, but it is much better, not only from a fan's perspective, but if you look at the player's mentality, it is much better for them to have played this game this way than to have the barn doors blown off them. I think I think you could see that in the locker room where, where or well, not the locker room, in the media room when they brought the players out that there was a fire lit and they were they were mad and mm-hmm. they, you you heard it too they said that we want to play right away we want to we don't want a bye week and there was a little flame i mean gary i don't know if you saw that too yeah brian i think it was brian burns who said that he mentioned like i can't remember who asked the question but they asked do you want to play do you want to play this week or do you wish you got a bye and he said i want to get right back out there i'm i want to keep building off this cuz there really was something to build off of in that game and it really is still just comes down to the O-line and being able to make plays in the red zone on defense, which Kyle Myers, one one thing that stood out was Kyle Myers not being able to n- not get a call for pass interference in the red zone or deep into Miami drives. Is this one of those rare situations, Gary, where the bye week ends up hurting a football team? I'd say so, yeah. It certainly is going to kill the momentum a bit for this team, but I feel like they kind of see what they have and see where they can build upon. And they're going to take the time to kind of focus in on those little things this week and get better going into Wake Forest. And coming out of this game, I know everybody was hurt. We were hurt. The fans inside every single one of us that went down to watch that football game were, were, were very disappointed with how the game turned out. And I'm assuming that everybody that is a Florida State fan must have felt the same way that, that, that we did at that time. But looking back on it, getting some time away from it, there is no reason why you shouldn't be proud of this football team. There is no reason for you to take a look at this game and think of this, think of the game as anything else other than a great achievement for this football team. Florida, Florida State proved that they could hang with the big boys. Not, I mean, not just not, not just even hang, completely can, dominate, can, completely times. dominate for an, for an entire half. Just come out and play like a traditional Florida State football team, like a powerhouse. And they showed that the offense can work if everyone is working together. If mm-hmm. if people are, it's the old cliche. If you if you do your job, then things will be be all right. You know, every every player's got to do their job. And the offensive line did. They they held together a little bit in the first half, and it and it collapsed. But you got to see Florida State's going to be playing Notre Dame, who's ranked number six right now, or is it number five? I think they're number five. I they, believe they, they're number five. They're going to play Clemson, who is number four. Uh, and then they also have Florida, who I believe is number twelve. Is is mm-hmm. that correct? 14. They're fourteen. Fourteen. They're, they're, Florida's number fourteen. So Florida State's got three opponents as of right now ranked in the top fifteen that they're going to have to play. NC State is ranked right now. NC State looks beatable. I will say that they don't look that great. But Florida State all of a sudden says we aren't that team that went up against Stanford. Stanford is. You know, they, they're Samford. Uh, Florida State, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Florida State should have blown that team out of the water. And they got better. 
it's so much better to um, to to progress than than come back. And Florida State has shown that they might be able to knock off a good team or at least believe. I don't think that locker room believed that they could beat a good team until they played against Miami and saw that not only could we beat a good team, but we did beat a good team. We beat ourselves. Right. Absolutely. Too much beating going around. There's too too much (laughs) beating going around. Um we're just going to forget that you said that, Chris, and we're going to move on. We're just going to hey, the team. Your, the team can do better. The the, the 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 implication was there. The team can do better, uh, most certain, most definitely, and they proved that they can do better this week. Uh, again, pole vaulting into a twenty-seven to I think it was twenty-seven to seven after a punt return by DJ Matthews, which DJ Matthews played his absolute heart out. And I was talking to him after the game, and uh, I asked him, because we've seen DJ Matthews try that kind of like, ever since I think it was that Texas State player. I don't know if it was Texas State. Uh, it was some – It was some. It was uh, North Texas, it was I believe. North Texas, some, some school in Texas. We're going to say North Texas. He pulled off that incredible fake the fair hesitation. catch, the hesitation. And ever since that, it seems like every single kicker turner throughout the entire country has been trying to do that, and that DJ Matthews is no exception. And he actually – did that not once but twice during this game. He caught Miami being a little lackadaisical, and he t- and he took one to the house. Player of the week. He is special teams player of the week, and he took it to the house. And I asked him after the game. I said, "How did that feel?" And it, for for a locker room that was so devastated after that after that game, DJ Matthews had one of the biggest smiles I've ever seen come on his face when he talked about that. The heart has not left this football team. The no. love for the game has not left this football team. But you can't deny that that this game is just an absolute heartbreaker and it's not often uh, uh, let me let me retract a little bit we talked we talked a little bit about the tone setting how florida state needed on the, on the write up we talked about how florida state needed to set the tone of this game it was all about the tone how was florida state going to play there there was a pre-fight there was a game uh, a, a pre-game fight we we predicted that which we predicted <laughs> <laughs> but it's all about the tone and just at the snap of the finger that hit, I'm and I'm and I'm trademarking this as the the hit that rocked Hard Rock. That hit from a defensive back that sent DeAndre Francois flying. That it, I I gave this analogy on the way back. It's like somebody was playing a game of Jenga, and somebody pulled out the wrong block. And ever since that moment, Florida State just absolutely crumbled. It's like somebody threw a baseball at the Jenga thing, and the whole <laughs> yeah, Jenga block yeah. came crashing down. Gary, you were there with us. And you can almost feel just the crowd got into it right after that hit. And the the press box was actually shaking. I don't know if you felt that, but I have, I, I've been to a lot of, of, of football stadiums. I would say that Clemson is a very loud stadium and it's very intimidating to play. But I would add Hard Rock to a places of very intimidating play, uh, places to play after that because the, the press box was actually shaking that crowd was woken up after that hit. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely shaking. I think what really changed it with the noise in that stadium was adding the roof to the top of it there. It captures the sound and just re- and filters it back into the stadium. But Florida State did exactly what they needed to do at the beginning of the game. They did the stereotypical thing that you hear all coaches say, punt, we're going to punch them in the mouth first. They punched them in the mouth first. They took the uh, crowd out of the game for two for a whole half and a little bit of the third. And then just like that in the third, they let them right back into it with those two consecutive turnovers on two consecutive uh, possessions. So that was the one thing that Florida State had to prevent, but they just couldn't do it in the end. And you're right. You're absolutely right. And and I got this overwhelming feeling of anxiety, and I can tell you exactly when it happened. And it was it was after 
uh, that second, or excuse me, the first interception, but the second turnover, I think, in consecutive plays. I don't know if they were back-to-back or not. Mm-hmm. This actually happened right after a targeting call, and Miami fans were actually throwing trash on the field, um, which is not something that is, is very seldom uh, in a Miami versus Florida State rivalry game. I remember it was at the, the, the block at the Rock from a couple years ago. Uh, fans were throwing trash on the field. But, Dakota, did you did you feel that? momentum shift like we were experiencing in that stadium did you feel that at home did you know that it was you could you feel that it was starting to negatively go against florida state oh the momentum shifted greatly at that point turnovers are no matter what sport it is are always big momentum changers especially in football and with the quickness that those two happened just bang bang back to back along with what happened to Francois, as you mentioned, that hit, it all just cascaded into one another. And you could, and like you said, not only I was not there to watch the football game personally, but through the TV, you could see that stadium. The fans for Miami just lost their minds at that point. And from that, that moment on, there was a tone shift in the game. Instead of FSU playing to control the game and continue what they were doing before, their game plan continuing to score, keep that lead in check, it, turned, it felt more like FSU was trying to guard the score and stop Play Miami. not to lose. That's what exactly. they were doing. Yeah, and, and we're almost at the halfway point here, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, we're, we'll probably spend a little bit more time on this at the other end of the break, but... Let's talk about the big controversy here. We've kind of been tiptoeing around it the entire first half of the show, but the illegal forward pass that was shown to not be so illegal. DJ Matthews caught a pass behind the line of scrimmage from Francois, and then he threw it about, what, 30 yards to a wide-open Keith Gavin? Is that what it was, about 30 yards? About 30 yards, I imagine. At this point, I I believe the game was 27-28. Miami or or maybe maybe no. maybe maybe it was 20 no I, let me take that back I think it was 27 21 the 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 and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you this but the 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 difference between a 34 to 21 score and then the subsequent you know 27 to or the 27 to 28 score it's absolutely monumental and you a lot of people are pointing to this as the reason that Florida State lost this football game. But we. But, but can I can I just say I, I agree. I I think missing that touchdown was a big big ups- that I think was finally what took the wind out of Florida State sails. However, in all honesty, I don't even think if they made that touchdown, that would have stopped Miami from marching down the field the way that they did at the very end of the game. You had Miami at what the the two yard line before. I think the two. I, I honestly think had they gone for it, they probably could have gotten the touchdown and if not gotten ahead, then at least tied it up. It it was I I just think that it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. I think had had maybe that touchdown happened and then uh Ricky Aguayo makes his field goal, okay, we're talking a different story maybe, but Miami was just rolling after those two turnovers. I, I don't know that there was much to stop the wave. It's the about hurricane. <laughs> the hurricane. Sorry. It's about 732 here at the studio on the on the East Coast. And we're going to take a little bit of a break here. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Uh, you're listening to WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We left you on the other side of the show talking about the uh, the illegal forward pass, and during the break, Dakota showed me an article on his computer that said that the footage from that play was sent to the ACC to be evaluated. And I'm sure what they'll find is that it, it was indeed a missed call. There was a missed call on the field, but as Chris said uh, before the break, and I echo the sentiment with him, is that Florida State did not lose the game because of that play. You can say what you want, but Florida State lost this football game with the back-to-back turnovers. People are going to point to that play, as I've already said, as the as the play that, quote-unquote, screwed over the Seminoles. But there is no situation, even against a number 17-ranked Miami team, even if this was another football team, there is no situation And when the offense coughs up the ball within your own red zone in, I think I think Luke, you said within a minute or so, 14 points came up on the board. There is no situation in which a team survives that kind of momentum shift. Yeah, I I, I have it right here. It's uh, they had one play, 17 yards touchdown. It took six seconds. They had four four plays, 73 yards, 
um, that took 50 seconds, and then I believe they had another play that was four plays or five plays that took a minute and 30, and they only had to go, you know, 30 yards or, or something like that. So when you're giving them – when you're letting them just plow through your defense or putting them in terrible position, field position, you're making it so much easier on a Miami team that's at home. That was the biggest thing was they were at home. They just needed a little bit of momentum. Right, right when that hit happened, they got their momentum with the pick and the fumbles, and it just it, it looked. Gary was saying it, it just looked like a book that had already been written. You were just waiting for it to play out. And we were in the uh, the post game press conference, and we were we've already talked about how destroyed that locker room looked after the game, and the and the people that we were talking to. And I think there's no better representation of how that 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 team felt when uh, we talked to Marvin Wilson, who, if, you, if you've talked to him in person, he's a very respectful person. He will always look you straight in your eye when you ask him a question when he's talking to you. Marvin Wilson came down and sat on the couch in the press conference room and looked dead straight for her, and he did not look at any reporters that were asking questions. And, of course, I'm saying this. This is not vindicative of Marvin Wilson's character. He's an outstanding young individual. But that itself just shows you how destroyed this football team is. So, Gary, my question to you is is that, obviously, Florida State has a bye week this week. We've already talked about that. Florida State plays Wake Forest this upcoming weekend, or excuse me, the, the weekend following this next weekend, and uh, the Knolls are back in Dope Campbell Stadium. Where do you go from here? If you're Willie Taggart, what is your message to this football team? It's just keep your heads high. We still have a chance. We can still at least make a bowl game. There's still that hope left, that we can make a bowl game, possibly finish out with a winning record, and keep the bowl streak alive for Florida State. Because that's really – and possibly beat Florida. I don't know how likely beating Florida is now after them beating LSU, but there's still there's still hope and still things to look forward to. Yeah, and speaking of that Florida team, Florida beating LSU 27-19. to And this was a game that was going on nearly simultaneously uh, as the Florida State-Miami game. And LSU, up to this point in the season, had looked extremely strong. They took down Miami in their opening game of the season, and they have looked really, really good, frankly, uh, up until <laughs> this game. Uh, and Felipe, frankly? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you didn't even see that one. I no, did not see that one. All right, coming. let's shameless plug. I'm throwing in the shameless club uh, plug here. One of my uh, middle school classmates <laughs> is the punter for Florida. His name? And his name is Tommy Townsend. He had nine punts for 432 yards. 432 yards along of 70. Florida still got Florida is breeding punters over there. I just <laughs> I uh I, I just had to throw that in. He had a incredible game and really uh the flipping of the field won the game. He, there was a punt at the end of the game that put him inside the 15-20 yard line that led to the pick six. And Florida their defense is what it has always been and their offense they just dumbed it down. They finally decided we're going to dumb it down and Felipe Franks is, is also made the decision of I don't need to throw flamethrowers on a crossing route that's five yards. <laughs> I think that was a big play for him was I have arm strength. I need to throw the ball 70, 70% and just put it a little bit accurately. It was almost uh, like Blackman last year just had no accuracy, and Felipe was the same. If, if you remember watching that game, the Florida-Florida State game, it was almost who who could throw the spin the ball worse. And uh, Felipe Franks got a little bit better, and – I'm going to say right here, I hope Florida wins every single game 
uh, up until the Florida State matchup because if you're going to play for something, you're playing for spoiler so that Florida can't get into the, into the playoff. That is something that I want to see. I want to see an 11 and, or a 10-1 and one Florida team come and fa- face Florida State, and Florida State is sitting at 5-6 and six and has got to win that game to go to a bowl game. That's what I want to see. That – that would be. You should work in Hollywood, man. Yeah, <laughs> right in script. Michael Bay over here, just an explosion of powerhouse teams or former powerhouse teams colliding at the very end of the season with a lot on the line. Uh, but maybe even looking a little bit too far forward, I'm going to ask you this, this Dakota, looking to Florida, Florida State. From what we've seen from these two teams these past weekend, both both very important games between the four of them. When it comes to Florida, Florida State. Right now, after what we've seen, where does where is your confidence line in this Florida State team? Is Florida State realistically a favorite in that game, or, or what's the spread on that? Well, you can't put a spread that, that far ahead, yeah. but also you got to think that Florida State is playing at home, so that makes a little bit of a factor. But Either way, what, what, what are you feeling right now? I would agree that home versus away crowd definitely makes a difference in these big rivalry games. Also, the t- home team does not have to travel, so that's big. They have that atmosphere. And while I wouldn't list them as the favorites, I would say with Florida State's offense looking to putting together some good passes, some good deep bombs, in the, and also some trick plays, it, diversifying their passing game and getting results out of that, I would say it's more... I would say single-digit uh, point differential on the spread. I, I, I want to add that it depends what the importance of the game is to how hard the, the team is going to play. Florida and Florida State, it's going to be like that. But if you have a 5-6 and six Florida State team going up against a 10-1 and one Florida team, that is going to be an incredible football game. Florida is playing for a chance to possibly go and have a national championship, or, or I should say go to the playoff. Florida State is playing for their integrity, and so if if you're doing that, uh, there's it, it really depends how the rest of the season goes, and you're staring down at, at those hard teams with Clemson and Notre Dame. I mean, uh, we can't jump all the way up to Florida. The the Clemson game, uh, it could be winnable. That one <laughs> could be winnable. Could be, I, but they I, did beat Wake like seventy to three. So <laughs> I, I agree with you that they'll be playing for integrity, and that's why I think, regardless of record, I think. Listen, Willie Taggart dropped his first rivalry game as a Florida State head coach. I don't think he's going to drop the second one. Looking at how they played this past weekend, I think if they bring that, granted that the level of of hatred maybe towards Florida isn't the same as it is towards Miami, I think looking at how the young guys played and the lessons that they can take from this, I don't think they're dropping another rivalry game. So to put a nice shiny bow on that, Florida State versus Miami this weekend, an absolute roller coaster of the game. Florida State coming out to an incredible lead, an almost shocking league. There was nobody in that press box that would have told you that Florida State would have been up 27-7. to uh, And then everything just crumbled, and Florida State coming out the, uh, the loser by a one-point margin. And uh, Florida State having a bye week this upcoming week, and then they will be back in Doe Campbell to face Wake Forest uh, two weekends from now. And uh, moving on to some other related Florida State news, and we, we were all driving back yesterday from the game, and we got a little ESPN notification uh, that Graham Gano, uh, <laughs> FSU alumni, uh, 
hit a 63-yard field goal, tying the second-longest field goal in NFL history to give the Panthers the victory over the Giants. Nick, you want a little Spanish lesson here? A Spanish lesson. Yes. In Spanish, the word ganar means to win. The past tense of that is ganó. So in Spanish, the broad the Spanish broadcast said ganó lo ganó. He said that five or six times over and over again. It was it was iconic. It's been going off all around all around Twitter, really. Yeah, it's a definitely one of those one of those things that you have to smile at as a as a Florida State fan, just seeing the success of, of former players at the at the next level and sixty three yards. Uh, that's pretty dang far that's, away. Yeah. But I, on the other side of the football, and uh, which also makes this game very interesting, is Odell Beckham Jr. has been very, very vocal in his displeasure with the Giants organization the past mm-hmm. couple weeks. And I don't know if you all remember this, but the very first show uh, of Tomahawk of this semester that we were a part of, we talked about the huge deal that Odell Beckham had just received. And I'm going to pat myself on the back here, and I'm going to say, that I, I I said right as the news as the news broke that you're only as good as your quarterback and Luke is going to tell you that you're only even more so you're only as good as your offensive line and I thought it was a ginormous mistake for the Giants to spend that much money on Odell and now they're kind of butting heads. What do you guys make of this? I think I saw that uh, that is it Pat Schumer. Mm-hmm. Um, he he came out today and said that I publicly. He, his quote was something to the effect of, I publicly am stating that I disagree with Odo Beckham's comments. That was that was his statement on the situation. Which is kind of lackluster. Very, very, uh, very um, I chewed him out privately and don't want to talk about him publicly because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm very mad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this, this is what it is. I publicly declare that I didn't agree with his comments. <laughs> That, that was this one was like a two-year-old answer, yeah. but it, someone can look this up. Did they release Eric Flowers today, the offensive lineman? Um, because I saw something going around. Gary, if you want to, if you want to look that up for us, uh, that would we'll, be. We'll see. Uh, Eric Flowers. Well, what, what is the significance of that? What, what are you trying yeah, to get? Yeah. Okay, at? they're cutting him. So they cut him, and so if you see any Giants fans, they've been talking about how terrible the offensive lineman is. How. Eric Flowers has got to go, got to go, got to go. They got their wish today, but are you going to replace them with someone better? <laughs> I don't I don't really know. Uh, that was a flop, a first-round flop from Miami. Uh, people really thought that it was going to shore up, and really he has just been a straight liability, and Eli Manning has shown that he's old, but he can play. It's, it just It's not all coming together, and, and I also want to add – Blake Bortles had another rough go, and he is just the most Jekyll and Hyde quarterback out there, man. That is that is that is a tough thing to watch. And Odell, I think quoting uh, quoted uh, and stuff is saying that he doesn't get 20 targets per game like other receivers. And I'm like, well, 20 targets—that's kind of even a bit of an extreme number. I'm not quite sure what you're expecting from Eli Manning, who is all, who has been a hot and cold quarterback his entire career. Well, no, dude, yeah. he, should, he should be getting every every. Well, yeah, throw, right? I, I guess yeah. every every, every single throw that Eli dials did, up. Did you play. see that one-handed catch that he had a couple years ago? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you see? Did you see? Did you see the one that he had last game? Did you see the touchdown pass he threw? <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe Odell, oh, maybe Odell yeah. can be the starting quarterback. Starting quarterback. Eli I, I, I don't know the exact odds, but there was something, there was some weird, uh, weird statistic that it was like there was some event that was let, 
I'm all I'm trying to say is it was so unlikely that he would throw his first touchdown pass before actually receiving his first touchdown pass this season. That he has he you're right, he hasn't. I don't no, know. No, 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 no. He he got it. He he, he got it this game. Yeah, he got but, it this he, game. But he didn't prior. Right. He, he was saying something to the effect of it's a million to one odds that Odell as a wide receiver would throw a touchdown before he caught a touchdown. I say to the person that made that bet in Vegas, you are an absolute genius and can I have some of that money? Well, well, it, I don't think it was a bet. It was just like just, what just are the, the chances odds, of yeah. winning well, the lottery? The cha- it's 400. It's well. 432 million to 1 that you'll get a I thought you were telling me that was actually no, something that wasn't that people, it, people it, were it, betting on. Wow. It's like chance, like rolling rolling uh, dice. Uh, the, while we were going up and down uh, the, the east coast of Florida, the southeast coast, uh, there was also a huge UFC fight that happened on Saturday night, and unfortunately we only got some uh, glimpses of it here or there. But when we did get a couple of glimpses of that, of that broadcast, it looked like Conor McGregor was getting a handful of fist straight to the face, and Dakota is a proverbial is knuckle sandwich. A proverbial knuckle sandwich. <laughs> Dakota is a UFC guy, as I said at the top of the show, and he watched the entire thing. So I'm gonna kind of give you the spotlight here. What was going on with that fight? Well, thank you for passing the torch to me. And <laughs> the main thing with the with McGregor and Nurmagomedov in that fight. I'm glad you, I'm glad you could pronounce his name because I I look at his name and I I it's Chinese to me even though it's Russian but you know it, it it is not the easiest thing to say he is from Dagestani Russia wow so. okay but uh, proceed sir yeah so, so how was I want to I want to know what the fight was like the actual fight fight and then I wouldn't call it. I would call it the fight. after fight. What was the after fight? So the next like fight. There was yeah, a, yeah. there. There was. Go, a, there set was, the scene. We, we the got scene. a bonus fight at yeah, the end. There of was, that, I, I believe McGregor. McGregor did not show up. Uh, <laughs> if if I if that is correct. So in the in the first fight, the one for the belt. <laughs> well, well, the, actually, not for the belt, because uh, we let learn talk, after. Let the man talk. <laughs> Nurmagomedov. That came in and he basically enforced his game plan upon McGregor. Looking at the fight beforehand, people were were salivating over it, not just because of the pre-fight talk, but because stylistically you had someone who on the ground just wrestled people into dust pretty much. He's been, he had a fight against Michael Johnson, a top lightweight contender, where you could hear in the middle of round three, He's just got Michael Johnson on the ground, and Nurmagomedov is telling him, just give up. Just give up. <laughs> and John- Michael Johnson could do nothing that entire fight. And McGregor came in, and he needed to keep it on the ground like he did in the second Nate Diaz fight. Keep, it, keep his base wide and keep from getting taken down, but he just could not do that. To start the first round, Nurmagomedov landed a, a beautiful single-leg takedown, and McGregor couldn't get up for the rest of the round, and that was round one. Round two proceeded similar the same way. In fact, McGregor, he came in looking a bit rusty, that ring rust. He stood. Because he, he, hasn't, he hasn't fought anybody in the UFC or any, anywhere else since the Mayweather fight, if I'm, if I'm correct. No, the Mayweather fight was about, uh, about a year ago by now, I'd uh, say. A little over a year. Yes, and... If you add into, if you just take his time off from the UFC, that's easily over 18 months. He's had, he's had his child to deal with. You know that is not an easy thing <laughs> to, to <deal> with. 
I mean, children are great, but that is easily a time-consuming. His whiskey, his whiskey business, which I think he is uh, putting a little bit more effort into that than fighting. I would have to also say. also true. Well, you the can say he's adding to his own profits <laughs> this weekend. Anyway, sorry. Continue. He has his ha- he has his hand in a lot of cookie jars. Let's just say Let's that. Just say that. Mm-hmm. But training is an all day, all day, twenty four seven, seven days a week job, and especially for UFC where you have so many different styles, so many different martial arts. The learning curve is so much higher. Is why you see fighters more in their 30s at the end of their 20s. You know, their their prime is a bit different because of that learning learning curve. And with all that time off, he didn't even have the usual head movement we've seen from Conor McGregor. He got caught by Nurmagomedov, who traditionally is not a stand stand up fighter. Nurmagomedov gave him chances to trade blows, and he just couldn't convert those chances. After looking at this fight, after looking at this fight, would you say this loss, the loss to Mayweather, or the first loss to Diaz, was the most disappointing loss? I think this was the most disappointing because he's already had those losses to Diaz mm-hmm. and Mayweather. And he had so much time before to prepare for this, too. Correct. With, with Diaz, he came in, you know, he looked sloppy. He looked, he, was, he came in riding off of his momentum instead of being the fighter that he chewed through the featherweight rankings to dropping all that weight and going through all that intense training and weight cutting. And this seems similar to that. When he was choked out, when he tapped out in the fourth round, if you look back at the film, the choke, Khabib's arm was not around McGregor's neck. McGregor had the right defense for it. He had his chin tucked so Nurmagomedov could not get to his, cut off the blood flow to his brain from the choke, pretty much. Nurmagomedov couldn't put him to sleep yet. He He had a good chance to fight out, but... It just seemed at that point, that late in the fight, he couldn't come up with a way to beat him, and he just kind of gave up, it seemed. So so what what are the repercussions of what happened after the fight? The second fight. Yeah, what, what do Because that's really what everyone is talking about. They're, they're barely talking about the fight because <laughs> McGregor did look sloppy and everything, but the repercussions of going out and fighting fans, uh, I mean... Can, can you slam the desk a little bit harder I, while I, you're I, talking? I'm just... I'm so... I, 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 I'm I'm dumbfounded. I, I you saw him hop over the fence, and it it really did look like Malice in the Palace style. Yo. Yes, that right. was that was very. I had flashbacks of a fan man dropping in on the boxing fight way back when. That that was something out of a movie almost, because there were multiple shots. Basically, instead of the usual pre-fight banter, uh, post-fight banter. Excuse me. Nurmagomedov went, he didn't attack a fan, interestingly. He attacked McGregor's uh, jiu-jitsu coach, Dylan Dennis, who had to be escorted out. And he, and if you look at the film, he just, there is no hesitation with Nurmagomedov. He jumps off, like, looking to kick the, looking to land on this dude with his foot on his face. Like, there is clear intent in this. And then from there, it just spiraled out of control. Fans fighting Nurmagomedov. McGregor jumped up on the cage on his side, and Nurmagomedov, one of Nurmagomedov's group, group members, jumped up on the cage as well, and they started trading punches. And then 
two more of Nurmagomedov's team tried to go after McGregor, and Danis had to be escorted out for his safety. The, the entire fight had to be broken up. And now both Nurmagomedov and McGregor are looking at sanctions from the Nevada Athletic Commission. Specifically, Nurmagomedov is having his purse withheld following the impending probe by the NAC. So with that all being said, we got a, we got a pretty good idea of, of how the, the fight went. How fast and how, uh, well, I mean, obviously we're going to be getting, I don't think there is any universe in which we are not getting a rematch of this fight. So my question to you, the final question of, of the UFC business is, how soon and how, how much are you looking forward to it? So I would say you, you always have the medical recoveries. I would say look for around a New Year's uh, event. The, currently there is about an MSG that, it, that is lacking a real main event. Right now it's head, headlined by Poirier and Nate Diaz, but that's about a three-week turnover. If either of them has a medical injury or issue that takes longer than that, they will not be able to fight in that. And you're right. As you said, this is the money fight. There's all these emotions. There's all these tensions. It will happen. Whether it's Nurmagomedov's next fight, whether they have to go through these suspensions, which could alter the timeline. If either of them have a suspension, I would say around at least a six-month layoff. But this fight will happen. So uh, w the the last thing that I want to cover tonight, and uh, this was originally going to be the uh, the off the top segment, and you know I see Chris motioning towards his computer. And, oh no no I wasn't oh, motioning. Towards oh it. I, I th well I thought I was that's gonna what say never mind. Well Continue. well the, it doesn't work quite with what I was going with, but uh, over the over the weekend you know while we were covering the Miami Florida State game, there was a there was an interview between Tim Tebow and uh, the gentleman. Uh, Will uh, that run first taken? That's Will Kane, Stephen A. and um, Max. And Tim Tebow had a fairly energetic take on the uh, the fans of college football. And I'm going to try my best to <clears throat> uh, play this this audio clip really quickly here for you all. What student attendance? Listen, I agree with him. I love it. I, I think the fans are getting so entitled there at Alabama, specifically the students. Listen, as a student, you've done nothing to win all these titles, okay? You spent a little bit of your daddy's money to show up at a game and to go to school there. But you need to, you say you're the best fans in college football. Well, you need to show up. I don't care if you're playing Louisiana, whoever, if you're playing Hoover High School, you show up to the game and you support your team. Because if you want to say you're the best fans in the country, you show up every game, no matter what, Coach Saban is right. Alabama students, you need to show up for your team. And that's probably the harshest thing that Tim Tebow has said to anybody, <laughs> as long as Tim Tebow has been alive. We're running very, very short on time. So from what I want from each and every one of you uh, in this room is I want, I want a word to describe uh, how you feel about Tim Tebow's rant there and, and why you feel that way, what, what's, what's charging that word. He needs uh, some kumbaya. 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 <laughs> That's what we're going there. I, yeah, you're right. Like coming from a guy like Tim Tebow, that's it's a little unorthodox. But uh, I mean, he's got some strong. He's a Florida guy, you know. So I'm sure he's got especially strong feelings about Alabama. So I think he just needs to calm down a little bit. But he's not entirely wrong. Just chill out. <laughs> just chill out. Just so chill. so we're so we're so we're we're sticking with the, the calming down. Uh, I am putting my hand on my Tim Tebow Bible and swearing <laughs> in with him. I agree wholeheartedly with Tim Tebow. 
Nick Saban got mad at uh, uh, Alabama fans a couple years ago and revoked tickets to the fraternities. If you have the best team in college football, you shouldn't take for granted it, even if they're bowling out that many teams. If you truly, if you truly have school spirit, you're gonna show up. And I mean, you can't be spoiled like that. What is it? They got five national championships in ten years. Come on, come on, grow, grow up, Alabama. Show up for Nick Saban. Make Tim Tebow proud. <laughs> Dakota. Key word is probably perception. Athletes-wise, it w- as, as someone on Alabama, you have to imagine they're playing their hearts out. And some of them, in these games, it's the walk-ons and such that get the time, the second string. And this is where they look to impress. And when there's no one in the stands, that does hurt. But also... You have people who can't make it to games. You have people who get tickets. And this is not a top 25 team. So there's multiple ways to look at this. The tickets were selling for $5 on Step Up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, with that being said, we are a little bit over time now. So we are going to leave you until next week. Again, uh, due to Hurricane uh, Michael, V89 will not be providing uh, regular programming after 12 a.m. tonight. There will be a weather update broadcast instead. Until further notice beyond that. But for Chris Camacho, Dakota Greer, Luke Fay, Gary Putnick, I am Nick Carl. You've been listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee. The voice of Florida State news release is up next. Stay, stay safe, everyone.